Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, September 8th. It's episode 96, and I'm Tony. I'm Dennis. We're back. Once again. We've got stuff to talk about. Back again. Yeah. There's Eclectic's a dick's back. Yep. They can't see your jazz hands, unfortunately. It's such a pity. If only we were a YouTube show. But could you imagine if we did this show as a YouTube show and just kept taking the twippy away from straight down the middle? Because we would. Well, here's the thing. Because I've we're got the camera to do that now. That's true. You do. And in fact, I got a, a Sony Handycam for my rig. In fact, I guess that's my intro update is I was going to get another webcam. I did order another webcam. Mm-hmm. In order to experiment on another two rig setup, because Casey GameCon is coming up. Right. And the webcam, it was deceptive. They had a, they had a, it was like a C960 or something. I just saw the model number. And since it had a C, I assumed it was a Logitech. It was not. It was an off brand that's using similar model numbers. Oh. Which I could tolerate if it played well with others. Like I have a generic webcam that does right. that's fine by itself, but it does not play well with other webcams. Uh, but the problem was when I plugged it in, it had no gain control at like, all. Yep. So I was like, nope, that's going back. And so I was talking with Ken Cromwell with mm-hmm. uh, Special One Lit because he streams a lot and he's like, yeah, get the, get the Sony like 405 or and so i did and i've done a couple streams with it and the response to it has been pretty good the nice thing about it because we're talking about for kc GameCon at this point i've suggested if they can position the banks like i'm assuming all the games will all be in one row again but if they can position them so that the banks are and they did this last time like you're gonna play one two three and then the next bank is four five six if they arrange it so that the the order they're played in is always like left to right or right to left, we could get away with just doing one rig instead and, of two and follow the same player set for that round, and then we go to an, another bank for the next round, like we wanted to last time. Right. This solves two problems. One, we'll have better uptime than we did last time because there were you know we would have the setups on two different games, uh, and they weren't in the same bank usually. And you'd only get to catch part of one game. Right. All of the other, maybe. Right. And the other problem was what happens when those two games aren't being played. So you, so this would mean we would always get to show it. The other aspect that this would solve is if I don't need to set up two rigs, we avoid the USB bandwidth problem that we ran into last that time. That we were able to get away with it with a four camera setup, but and I think maybe I could push five if I toy with the resolutions. But it's just really difficult. For those that don't know, uh, on the streaming side, there are all sorts of bottlenecks you can run into. But the one that we face, it doesn't have to do with the number of cameras. as Well, it's related to the number of cameras. But we have plenty of cameras. We have plenty of cables. We have plenty of horsepower on the computers. What we don't have is enough USB bandwidth in laptops to accommodate that many webcams. And normally you would never need that many. So right. this way, you know, everyone's like, build a Carl rig, and I'm not paying that much for wireless routers. <laughs> and the fact that you need a con- capture card for every single Sony Handycam that you've got to. Right. But what you will find handy, Tony, because you were the master of moving the rig. As you know, a non-mobile rig... If we've run the wires like we did, it's not hard. No. It's actually really fast. It went pretty quick. 
The nice thing with a Handycam is it's got the screen, so you can dead center without anyone telling you. See, and that's really nice. How the cameras line up with the play field. Because everything else is pretty easy. The player face cam needs barely any adjustment. The score cam, if it's on its own stand, needs hardly any adjustments. So anyway, that's my intro. What about you? I'm nothing nearly that interesting. I've been playing around. I got, uh, I don't recall. I think I mentioned last time I got a Nikon D5600. Well, you didn't say the model. You did say the make. But I've been playing with it some more, uh, doing a lot of work stuff, getting, I'm finally got everything pretty much done being finalized for my trip to Chicago. So you go into any arcades? I'm leaning towards Logan right now, but it's looking like the only night I'm going to have available will be later on Monday. Ah. So, but even that's not positive because I have, there's a couple things that might, uh, Eat that time. I don't know yet. Yeah. It's every other, every other night's already eaten for like until nine or 10 PM. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that was, that was the case when I went out to DC. I thought I originally planned to free up another day and then I thought, no, I'd rather actually go and do this networking opportunity with these other. And that's what this is. is I've got, I've got all this networking stuff. And I was glad I did it. Yeah. But I I get there Sunday morning and I've got stuff set up. Like Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, all day Monday, uh, all day Saturday, or all day Tuesday, all of Tuesday evening, and then I fly out Wednesday morning. So, uh, it's looking like Monday, probably like after seven, I'll have some free time. Okay. So, well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. If you, we'll if have you, see have it, if you have it to report back. Of course, that will be not the next show, but the show after. Right. Cause the next show will actually have to record early. Yep. Because I otherwise, I mean, my flight leaves. I, we'd have to record at like six in the morning on that mm-hmm. Sunday morning. Yeah. And I doubt you want to wake up at six in the morning so we can. Record. Well, I'd probably be awake at six, but, but no, I probably wouldn't want to record. <laughs> that's like, that's like twip levels of early. Yeah. Not, not really, because Zach always is at least 15 minutes late. But. <laughs> so okay. For me, like, that's like, okay, I've already been up for two and a half hours, so mm-hmm. what's the big deal? So, yeah. Well, sometimes I just don't want to talk that early. Well, that, I, I understand to, that. I have to rest this, this tool, this instrument. Uh, speaking of instruments, we've got a number of things to play our way through regarding pinball. So let's go ahead and transition into that. Uh, we won't do 20 questions this time because I know we've got a lot of other stuff to discuss and I don't feel like looking up a game. So, (laughs) so, uh, it's been fairly light aside from a lot of clear coat news. And I, uh, you know, it's like, I don't want to spend forever on clear coat, um, but let's let's touch on a few things. Uh, first, regarding Stern, I have not heard any updates like if they're admitting there's a serious problem or not. We were at the 403 Club yesterday. We got to play Jurassic Park. We're going to touch on that later on in our news section. But I noticed on the Jurassic Park that it has the washers already installed from the factory. Right. So I think that that's the... Uh, that's the solution that I'd been hearing about was sort of moving forward to, I don't know if it's spreading the, the weight out or if it's a, just an issue of cover it up yeah, before it, you could see anything. Well, and that's the thing, I, I wonder if it's not an issue that while it's bubbling up, it's not bubbling up so far out that as long as you keep the washers and some pressure on top of it, while it'll still bubble up, 
it never gets to a point that's visible. So we don't know yet if uh, if Stern's doing anything more uh, invasive in terms of playfield swaps or something like that. Right. Uh, so I don't I don't really have a news item about about that, but I wanted to touch on it because we're going to co- talk about a couple other companies. First one I want to start with actually is Spooky because we had a a listener write in uh, anonymously, and they asked why we on the last episode did not cover spooky pinballs clear coat issues and their claim in the email was that spooky did not replace play fields and this we're going back into total nuclear annihilation we did touch on how spooky had some issues with dna and i know in prior episodes i mentioned a little bit about that there was a a chipping issue where the art was coming up with around posts and stuff with after very low number of plays and that I think I mentioned it around the time I got my total nuclear annihilation because mine is a late run model that was where they made the adjustment. They they're not printing. You're right. They're not printing the ink under those areas. The, and that seems to at least be related to the solution. That was this. That was the secret sauce. People who looked at all the photos realized were the games that didn't have the ink there anymore were the later run games and no one was reporting issues with those. Though they provided the washer solution to everyone that wanted one. So right. I, I have the rubber washers under my posts. But, uh, so, okay. So we didn't talk about it because we weren't aware of what the solution was with the chip. Like I didn't read the thread back then because I didn't own the game. So I never followed along. So that's why we didn't cover it. I mentioned that because the accusation in the email was that people are, and we've talked about this before. So right. I, I think there's a, there's a little bit of basis there that people don't like to criticize spooky pinball. That is not our policy. No, spooky can suck a pinball. Yes, I guess they could. But we have talked about in the past the interesting fact that was, I think, more true prior to total nuclear annihilation. It was a lot more true, especially when we first started podcasting. Mm. Because we would often criticize Rob Zombie. And right. I know we noted repeatedly that it seemed like you weren't allowed to do that on forums and such, or else the fanboy brigade would show up and criticize you. Yeah, and just it this, was bad. This desire to protect the little guy is what I think it, you know, that's my psychological analysis of it with my all of one class of training. <laughs> so we know it's true. Yeah. They're, uh, they're, they were, so they, they used to white knight very heavily on. So fair, fair enough, yeah. dear listener, but that was not why we didn't talk about it. We just did not know anything about that process. Now, however, since then, I have done some more research. It didn't take much because apparently this has started to come up in some of these clear coding discussions as well. And Charlie, the owner of Spooky, weighed in on one of the threads and said that they sent out dozens of play fields for free to people. Now, my understanding is not detailed enough to know whether or not those were populated or unpopulated. I'm assuming the latter, but I don't know for sure. Right. But, um, but anyway, Charlie did clearly state that at least in some instances, you know, at a certain level of damage, there was a solution beyond just giving washers to people that had damaged TNA playfields. 
Uh, I do have a link to the the detailed actual response in the show notes. So if anyone wants to go and read it on Pinside, you can just open the show notes up and click on that link and you can see his exact statement. But anyway, a listener did write in about it, so I wanted to touch on it because it was a fair enough question. Uh, next company, Jersey Jack Pinball. We do have an update regarding their clear coat situation as well. There are multiple reports that are appearing on Pinside that Jack, the CEO of Jersey Jack, has been calling individuals that have brought up um, claim issues on Clearco, at least on the Wonkas. I don't know for sure on the Pirates of the Caribbean, but on the Willy Wonka games, he has been calling people, uh, especially those that have gone and purchased the solution they were offering before, which was you can have a reduced price play field at the bargain deal of $550 and we'll <laughs> send you an unpopulated play field. He has informed people that have bought those that they were being refunded their money Good. for the purchase of the of those playfields. And the way it's now sounding to me, based off of the reports of what people are saying they've heard from Jack, is that if the damage is severe enough, I, I don't know what that level is. It's It sounds like, if, at least if it's chipping, I don't know if they're doing anything about the bubbling, but at least if there's chipping, uh, it seems that Jersey Jack Pinball is now providing free unpopulated play fields. Well, that's something. It that's is. Better, that's better than, oh, hey, we gave you something that's busted, but if you want to fix it, you've got to pay it for mm-hmm. it. I mean, it, that, 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 it's just kind of... Yeah, that... I think this friendly. is a this is a positive step. Uh, I noted when I was on the This Week in Pinball podcast last week on that venue that I think the solution really should be in an ideal world the populated playfield where they send you a populated playfield and you are asked on their dime to ship back your bad one populated i think it makes sense and and whether or not you want to if if it could be i would prefer them to send it and then you get to do the swap and send back the old one and right. so you don't have any real downtime that's not like perfect from the consumer perspective, but I think that's the reasonable balance where they're giving you what you need. There's still some challenge about being uncomfortable with doing a playfield swap, but at least with these modern games where it's just a few connections and some weight, it's much more feasible than asking people to move all their ramps over. No kidding. So that's, that's my personal take on it. But this, of course, is a better solution than someone saying, I have chipping. And then you just get a packet of washers. And you're like, okay, okay I, I hope this stops the chipping from spreading. It hides the chipping at least. Sure. Well, and if it doesn't get any worse, uh, for me, I mean, it's, again, like when I bought my Jurassic Park, my daddy East one, mm-hmm. there's a lot of scoop damage, scoop wear. It's nice of you to clarify that you have not bought a uh, brand no, new one. I have not bought a Jurassic brand new Park, Park, Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. And then immediately, sla- well, though, I have bought new games and then, well, like my Star Trek, I should say. And then I did immediately before playing put in Cliffies. But, yeah. but that being said, the Cliffies helped prevent the wear from spreading and mostly mask my wear, which made me happy. Right. Of course, that was a used game, too, and I didn't pay. You would expect. I didn't pay yeah, $5,700 or right. 7000 in the case of a, of a Wonka. Um. 7,000 for, you know, the low end. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this is, a, this is overall, it's, po- it's definitely better than, as you noted, asking people to send money for a solution to something that wasn't their fault. As an aside, when we were at the 403 Club for a tournament yesterday, mm-hmm. we went over and looked at Willy Wonka, which when we got there, incidentally, was broken down. 
Surprise. Yeah. They did. The tech did get it fixed. Yeah. Before the tournament started. Uh, and uh, the bubbling and blistering of the clear was rampant and not hard to find. Oh, no. You, you, you could see it easily. These were not the little, like, my... Well, almost what I felt like were microscopic bubbles I've seen some people show in their photos. Some of these blisters were the size of like you trying to learn to play guitar blisters. Yeah, no, they um, were they were super nose. Yeah. You didn't you didn't have to put massive, your nose to massive the glass pool, to massive it. pooling around the sling posts, mm-hmm. one more than the other. But I again, I first saw the pooling on one of them. I thought it was a washer. That's how bad it was. Yeah, I yeah no, had, it was. I, I was, thought he had a blue washer under it, and then I realized, no, that's just the clear yeah, bubbling when, when, you, when you when you called me over to take a look at it, I, I when I first saw it, I was like, oh wow, and then we started looking, mm. and pretty much every single right. post is bad. And I couldn't see any on the on the Stern Jurassic Park, but in all the key high traffic areas, they had those metal washers right. under there. So I could say I didn't see it bubbling around that, but I don't know. Other, I mean, I'm sure those came that way from the factory, right? And it could be under that, or it could be they. It could, be. or that's, or that helps prevent it. I don't know, right? Or they could have the where the printing doesn't go all the way to the post, and then the washer covers the little bit of exposed wood. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know, know if they've, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't think they've done that before. I. Because I I thought I had read, that's where I'm uncertain, that there were Jurassic Parks that have been sent out that didn't have the washers. And I don't recall seeing anything in the close-ups of it being bare wood. Okay. But I don't know if they made a, a shift or not. I haven't heard that they have, so right. I'm assuming they have not. Um, it could just be that this is the type of thing we're going to see going forward with the adjustments that seem to have been made to how play fields are put together. I mean, I... If the if the washer from the factory stops it from blistering, I think that's a perfectly acceptable solution, mm-hmm. as long as people can be assured that their game won't develop the damage. Right. So, but that we're at the point where we are not confident about that. And I, right, because you don't know what you're going to see when you pull that washer. And I don't know if I'm going to go around encouraging people to go out and buy modified soldering irons to iron out the clear coat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe that maybe that'll work if you're careful. That's the idea, but yeah, that's like there are all sorts of cosmetics. To me, you might as well just put a washer and cover it. Uh, if you if you're not really if your whole concern is just you don't want to cosmetically look at it, and we're not really fixing anything. Um, speaking of fixing things, Dutch pinball. Oh god, we we can say we can again. Say that, yes, we still we have to because there was an interview. Pinball Ugh. News and Pinball Magazine podcast had an interview with Dutch Pinball's owner Barry. I have a link to the audio interview in the show notes. As a warning, I have I have listened to the whole thing, but as a warning, it is over two hours long. So think of that depth. Think of those cutting edge questions. So it's like questions. two hours of listening to a used car salesman try to tell you why his lemon's not a lemon. Well, not exactly, because you first have to sit through a fairly lengthy recap by the interviewers about essentially the entire history of Dutch pinball. So you could probably skip like 20 to 30 minutes before you get to anything about the actual issue. They just spend a lot of time going through the history of the Big Lebowski, which is essentially the history of the company. Um, so, 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 you, so you have to sit through the half hour of the train wreck happening. Yeah. And then you get to see the important mm. aftermath of the train wreck. Well, a lot of it's even pre train wreck, just like how the, how the unveil went. Because it was so exciting at Expo. If you ha- if you know nothing about Dutch pinball, and you want to know 
the site, the life cycle, the big Lebowski development. It would be faster to listen to this than to go to the Dutch pinball thread and read it. So I'd say go ahead and do that if you're curious and you don't know. If you don't have the background. However, a pinsider, his uh, handle, I'm sure I'm going to mispronounce, uh, Fasaisu, uh, did an ex, in my view, an excellent written summary of the interview. I don't know why no one has put it as a key post in the Dutch pinball thread because I think it's that good. But, wow. but. <laughs> Not that I'm the arbiter of all things on the pin side, but I have a link to it in our show notes so listeners can go and just click and jump right to it and read it. And so you can, in under one minute, experience the full meaningful elements of the two hours. I'm going to touch on a number of the interview highlights. So credit to Fasayu because I pulled most of this from his, I made some modifications, but I've pulled this stuff from his summary. So here are the highlights, Tony. Because I know you didn't sit through the two-hour interview. No kidding. <laughs> right. I've been raging. Oh, yeah. God, I'd be raging you so would. bad. It's, it's for the best that you listen. Now, now, there's a concept. Maybe we should set set some stuff up at some point, and I can listen to it, and we can live stream a full oh, reaction video. Oh, mystery science video. style, our reaction video. Okay. Oh, full reaction video to it. Oh, man. Tony we'd, we'd have to put up the, the Barry prof- interview. We'd, we'd, we'd have to put up the profanity filter. Well, we did it on YouTube, but we would be okay. We can be profane. <laughs> All right. So here are the highlights so you don't have to rage. Uh, the Big Lebowski parts that were stored with, I have been saying Ara. Now I need to issue another disclaimer. In the interview, because most people have been calling it ARA, and I don't know who to believe anymore. Jonathan, who lives in the Netherlands, has always called it Ara. And since he's Dutch, I have completely deferred to his understanding of how Dutch words are said. Barry constantly called it ARA, who is also Dutch. And at one point in the interview, it was stated by Jonathan that you can call it either ARA or ARA. So my past chiding of people, because it has actually been a pet peeve of mine that everyone was saying ARA. But apparently you can say it either way. So I must stand corrected. I'll just call it the factory. The factory. I'm just going to probably end up calling it ARA just because of my own That's habit. what we've been doing it for yeah. so long. Right. Well, guys, that's what Jonathan says. I'm trusting Jonathan. <laughs> Uh, so the parts for Big Lebowski's that were at Ara, they're now in an offsite storage facility. Read storage cube. Yeah, something like that. You store it. A pod. (laughs) 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 Maybe a little more fancy than that. Uh, Dutch Pinball is in the process of leasing a new production facility. It sounds like relatively, depends where mom lives. It sounds like it's in relatively close proximity to said storage facility. (laughs) No, you said that that was a, you store it, not mom's basement. Um, Barry indicated that they have at least nearly full parts for something on the order of 25 to 50 games. Okay. I'm just going to keep interrupting because this That's is fine. So. We're just going through the bullet list. Nearly full parts for 25 to 50 games. A, that is a huge difference. I mean, 25 to 50 games, that's a big difference. Yeah, one number is double the other. Yeah, and But nearly, if you have nearly full parts for 25 to 50 games, does that mean, do you have full parts for a single game? If you have nearly full parts, well, okay, what do you consider nearly? Are you one part short of having 25 full games? Or are you one part short for each of the 25 full games? Do you have full parts for any games? I think these are all very fair questions. In Barry's defense, 
he did not yet have during the interview itemized all of the parts, so he doesn't know. So he so that's why he's hedging. So he just pulled twenty five to fifty out of his bum. Yes. Okay. Based off of like I'm guessing, based on I'm guessing this is my assumption. Based off of how things were labeled and what he saw when he looked in boxes, he thinks I think he thinks he has full parts for some number of games. Okay. Okay. Note that that's parts. That's not. I don't think cabinets are being counted as parts. But then he he doesn't have cabinets. He doesn't have the ability to make a single game. Well, that's why he only has nearly full parts. <laughs> it all okay. it all depends on how you want to think about it. He's going to be sitting there in the Dutch version of Home Depot Look, buying plywood well, and a miter and that, saw. And apparently that's fine because according to Barry, he is not at all concerned about being able to source parts to build games, including, he mentioned, his willingness, and it sounded like plan, to approach Ara to produce more printed circuit boards and do the sheet metal work that he needs, such as the aprons. Why wouldn't they just tell him to kiss their bum? Because he thinks that they actually like him. And this was, this was just business. And that, you know, these are just What's things it? that he would be able to pay in full immediately so that it's not an issue of, oh, well, there's not going to be the same cash flow issue when he's just ordering a bunch of, of PCBs. They're cheap. And he's paying for them in advance. I'm assuming that Maybe. they'll end up making would, him pay in advance. I would have advance. a hard time... I, I would have a hard time going to something where you've already had that kind of issue, even with a pay in advance. But. Well, he, he noted that if Dutch Pinball, excuse me, if Ara wasn't willing to work with Dutch Pinball for the PCBs, easy enough, he can order those from China because the Chinese, there are plenty of Chinese factories that produce PCBs. Where do you think all those NV RAM chips off to your right. left come from? Yeah, I know, because you, you, you can buy, you can just order a, a, you can, a shipping you container can, full for like, Yep. Like you send them this like your PCB schematic and say, make this. And it's really cheap. Now, sheet metal work, it sounded like my read again. My read from the interview was he does not have another entity in mind right now to do the sheet metal work, but he's sure he can find one. I would assume so. I mean, I don't know. I, right. I don't know anything about. We have the multiple, Netherlands we have multiple sheet metal places but, all around but here. But literally, I could, I could walk. From sitting in your kitchen right now, in 15 minutes, I could walk to three different sheet metal places. Mm. Yeah. Because they're all over the place. Yeah. So my, that's uh, not a big deal. Because we use one of them that is literally like three blocks away from you, is what I use at work a lot. Yeah. That was a place that was really, I think, pretty close that when my dad was uh, putting together a laser war pinball machine for my brother-in-law, he needed a bracket fabricated. It wasn't produced mm -hmm. anymore. And none of the parts sites had it. So he just took a example one over to a sheet metal place and, you know, they yeah. made, they made him a couple for like, cause they had a minimum price. Right. So they're like, well, we'll make you a couple. Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. And it was still like, we're talking like less than 50 bucks or something. Oh yeah. No, it, we, we, anytime so, we, we take and have, I mean, the, like I said, the, the place I'm thinking is just down the street. We literally, there's stuff that we have at work that'll break bracket wise. And it's like, Oh, we could order this and it's going to take it a week to get here. Or we take it over to this place, hand them the broken pieces and come back the next morning and they hand us four fabricated ones and it costs less than what ordering a new one would. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Dutch Pinball, uh, currently Barry believes that the number of games that need to be produced to make all of the EAs whole, the pre-orderers whole and what he needs to be able to 
sell to be able to make them whole is in the range of 400 to 500. So that's sold games and pre-orderer games for free. So that's his, his current estimate. And along with that, Barry said he does believe that there is a market for 500 more Big Lebowskis out there in the pinball community and that he could sell at 12,500 like he sold those 40 that had been in storage with Ara. I think Barry's insane. This is probably the part where I struggle the most. Not with his estimate on like selling two for one or whatever the breakout is with this, with this count. I should go ahead and um, note, according to Barry, there were 55 games were initially sent to the pre-orderers. There are 135 people who have fully paid and are still owed games. So of that 500, the 135 are the number that mm-hmm. he says are the free ones. So that's where you, you'll then need your either upper 200s to low under, low 300s to, you know, do we right. need to make 400? Do we need to make 500 sort of thing? Cause actually as I, Sit here. Cause that's, that's, that's gonna be what, like six million dollars off of 12, at 12.5 if they make 500. Well, let, yeah, let's use the 500 and then let's subtract out the 135. So that would mean he'd need 365 games sold mm-hmm. and then he's doing it $12,500 a pop. That's $4.5 million. Okay. So. To give the 135 right. people their machines that they paid for years right, right, and years right. and years. And, years and if his number of 400 was accurate, that would mean he needs to sell 265 games at the 12,500. And that would be 3.3 million. So he's got a range of about a million, well, $1.2 million right. going on here in terms of, and he, he did stress he does not know yet. He does not know mathematically. That's his estimate off of things, but. Seems Obviously, he it's doesn't very much, know what he has because right, right. he hasn't well, done anything. He doesn't actually. Well, it's all just bubbles. right, right, and that's um, again, that's understandable when you don't know how many parts you have and which are you missing your expensive parts or are you missing your cheap parts. Mm-hmm. So he's that's why he want, he's using a million dollar sort of range. Right now, the issue there though is on the production side because he did say his target is that all of those pre orders, those one thirty five. By the end of next year. And according 500 to... 500 games yes. in so one year and four quarter, months? A year and a quarter, yeah, basically. Because they're not producing yet. Um, and I think, uh, according to the math that Fosaisu did, he noted that that would require an average of eight pins a week to be built. So there's a factory that's going to kick out. A factory can kick out eight pins a week, I'm sure. Well, remember, they don't have the, and again, they didn't have the factory. And my understanding, he said it would be weeks before they would get to move into the place. He's had the, he's got the place chosen and he's taking over the lease from another company that wants out of their lease is right. the plan. But they're going to have like, like a huge crew with lots of equipment to throw these machines together fast. Right? I'm not that's quite what... sure of the size of the crew. What he did indicate is that initially the crew will consist of Barry. A guy named Gus, who apparently knows fully how to build a Big Lebowski already. And then a few volunteers. Oh, my God. And that production is going to slowly ramp up. And then Dutch Pinball does plan to actually hire people to be the line. And as I recall from the interview, Barry indicated he was not planning to have to keep building these himself for very long, it sounded like. I'm assuming because he has a day job. So, Barry and Gus... 
Mm-hmm. And their friends who are probably loaned them tons of money. Well, we do know that some, there was an indication that there was some investment support. Yeah. So, or some sort of support from friends and family. So, yeah, that, so, I so, agree. So, Barry with Gus and their friends who loaned them money and wants to try and hopefully maybe get their money back are going to help them hand build 500 pinball machines and sell them for the price of a CE Wonka. Yeah. At least for a while. Oh, this doesn't sound like terrible at all. This doesn't at all sound like the train wreck catching on fire and then a plane crashes into it. Hmm. Well, now, if you end up wanting one, according to Barry... I'm pretty sure if I got one, it would burst into flames the second I touched it. I don't know. I remember when, before all this happened, and you were like, I'd really like to have that translate. I did. I think the translate's beautiful. I think the machine's beautiful. At this point, I don't know that I would do anything that would give Barry money because he needs help. Well, that's what these volunteers are. Mentally. Oh, well, you have to ask Zach Minnie for that. <laughs> Maybe he can volunteer his time. Because this is, this just screams so much of throwing good money after bad. It seems he had perfect exit points to accept the failure and move on with his life. And instead, he's still just throwing hope to all of these early adopters. So, I don't know. I hope. I honestly. I know I'm rough on Dutch. But in all honesty, I really hope. They get their machines, and they're happy with their machines. That would be amazing. I don't see any path forward that's realistic with it happening, short of serious, like, angel investors coming in and doing it. But I just, at this point, Dutch just feels like a running bad joke to me Mm. that keeps getting worse. I... My feelings on it are more a little more complicated, I suppose, but I mean it would be nice for all everyone who pre-ordered to actually get their game or get I actually I don't want them to get their game. I would rather have them got a full refund. Right. Now that might not be what they want, but this would just be my stance that I think at this point you've proven that you can't competently quickly build machines, so in the perfect world you should have just been like, "Nope, we can't do it. Here's your money back." That's what would have been the perfect answer. So, and because of that, my issue isn't that it wouldn't, it would of course be great if they were able to take and assemble games and get them to everyone who pre-ordered them as, you know, even though it's years late as this alternative. The problem that I have is that, and it comes up in the interview, Barry has this plan that then after all of this, Dutch Pinball will go on and make new games. And I don't think that he deserves to have Dutch Pinball. So I don't think that that company deserves to exist anymore, at least as owned by him. And the brand is so toxic that it just shouldn't exist for anyone. If anything, it would be if they had actual like assembly line assets like Highway did, it would be buy that stuff up and let a new company form. Right. I just, I don't understand how anybody could give them money after this whole situation. Well. Again, aside from the the friends and family thing, he did indicate that these tw- the twelve these new games sold at the twelve five won't be through a pre order model. You'll go through Coin Taker if you're a U.S. resident to buy, 
And if you want to buy in Europe, you go or anywhere else, actually, you go straight through Dutch Pinball in that instance. But it will be a when the game is ready is when the game will be when money will change hands and then it will. Be As it should out. have been from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. But that was it was a different time. This was years ago. It was a different time. Pre-orders were everywhere. Pre-orders I mean, are still everywhere. There, they are to a degree. Even Spooky's doing uh, non-refundable deposits. I refuse to do it because I morally disagree with it. Yeah, but it, it's a one thousand dollar non-refundable deposit to be on the list with them. And but back in this time, it was Jersey Jack was doing pre-orders on all their games. Was and Hobbit were like that. You had pre-order money involved with Highway. You had pre-order money involved with Skip B. You had pre-order money involved Zidware. with Zidware. Yep. So, uh, only other real thing to, to note is, uh, Barry during the interview did not go into any of the details about the court case. He acknowledged that Dutch lost it, but he didn't say, like, what the ruling, what the judgment was that his outside settlement was avoiding. Mm -hmm. So that you have to speculate a little bit about that. And I can understand him not going into the. No, and, and apparently I had someone who tried to get me the court case and, Apparently in the Netherlands, they don't have a open to the public style court system like we do in the U.S. And a lot of cases are just flat out sealed. Oh, so that's why we can't find it anyway. Okay. Because I tried myself, but, uh, the only, the only other item I, I think I would note, uh, and from the interview was that. Barry indicated that they have been discussing whether or not to offer essentially a pro model of the Big Lebowski that could be sold under 12.5 with the removal of features. But they haven't made a decision yet on whether to move forward with it, but it's something they've been talking about. My guess is the removed features is probably the bowling alley mech. Right. The lower play field. And if they don't have a lot of that mech, removing that mech will let them use most of the other parts they have to make more machines. But then they have to make more machines because they're not making, it wouldn't be selling them at 12.5. Well, they have to sell so many. I mean, we're talking 200 and some that even if his optimistic model of 50 was accurate, He's already going to have to source parts, a lot of parts, for a lot of games. And as you noted already, that's my big thing with this. Is to me the I don't see how the math works. I because and it gets back to what you touched on when I mentioned that Barry thinks that there's a market for 500 Lebowski's out there at twelve thousand five hundred. No, there is not. I don't and think I say so. it with that degree of confidence because look at. You mentioned the collector's edition of Wonka. You can still get those, and that's capped at 500 at 12.5. A game you know you're going to get, and they don't need to move. People aren't all lining up to buy them. What This game is not as impressive as Wonka is, in my judgment. I agree. Fully qualifying that I have not been able to play it, so that's unfair of me in a way. I hear Lebowski plays fun. We know Wonka plays fun. Yeah. But... There's more going on in Wonka than there is in this. This game's also much older at this point. But the problem that I think that Barry's not realizing is the reason why he sold 40 so quickly, you know, within a day at 12,500 is everyone there is gambling that this company is going to fail. And that was going to be the last batch of 40 to go out. He's not going to have that anymore. 
the more, if he does the strategy and it actually is working and he's selling games, the longer the strategy works, the more it works against his plan. Because the more Lebowski's that are out there, the less that it's going to be seen as a $12,500 game. Because I know very few people other than the most devoted of Lebowski cult film acolytes who actually think this pinball machine plays at a $12,500 level. So I think he could sell some more at twelve five. But what happens after the first 100 are sold? Is it still a twelve five game? When everyone who's anyone in the hobby knows that initially they could have got in at eight five, I don't think so. Yeah, that's and that's the that's the obstacle. Not to mention there's things like Willy Wonka, which you don't need to pay twelve five to have all the features. You can get the LE version for under ten, and this is dramatically more money than an LE Jurassic Park. And this is not a good time for Dutch Pinball's arguably very enjoyable game to be going up against the new games from Jersey Jack Pinball and Stern Pinball because those both are seen as very good players. <laughs> Better players than Lebowski is. Just based off the generalized metrics right. that we're seeing, the reports from people. So so that's my issue. This is where I think, this is why I have no confidence in this. I think he'll be able to sell a few. As he acknowledged in the interview, he'd have to, this like ratio, this roughly two to one ratio of two sold for one new. He acknowledged that, but initially they're going to have to just sell everything for profit before they can actually right, get to, have the, to build It'll up be on the back end that pre-orders start getting satisfied. So again, he's got, when you start making less and less money, when does he do the shift over? He loses his volunteers that aren't going to be willing. Oh, let's lose another weekend to for no money put together someone else's games. And has to hire his workers and have the overhead of his and have the overhead for these uh, facilities and all of this stuff that's going to be bleeding cost. Plus, to make his timeline, because the longer this drags out, it's not like demand goes up. I also don't see how in the world he ever gets into being able to make eight games a week. There's no way he's going to make eight games a week. It's like he's not going to become spooky. So I don't understand. I don't understand it. I don't think he's got it. I don't think he's got it in him to organize this. I think that's been proven already. Yeah, I do too. So that's why. But anyway, it was an interesting interview, so I appreciate yeah. that Pinball News and Pinball Magazine conducted it. Barry, if you're listening, feel free to... Uh, I very rarely uh, do interviews anymore on Eclectic Gamers Podcast, but if you would like Tony to do an interview with you, you may reach out to us, eclecticgamerspodcast.gmail.com, and we will be more than happy to conduct one. Uh, the questions will be slightly different. Slightly? Yeah. There will, they'll be more pointed. Why are you, no, I'll be nice. You'll be nice, but firm. Yeah. I just, I thought Martin had some decent questions in this, but most of this could probably be described as a relatively softball interview. Which is probably the requirement for the interview to happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't really have any judgment on it, but if you're thinking that there are going to be a lot of really hard hitting questions, there were some decent ones, but again, uh, if he, wasn't inclined to talk about it. There was no pressing. Right. So, so and I just, again, I'm not surprised that I, I just do don't understand. Things, so. Well, there's tons I don't understand, but, but I really don't understand how even he can see a path forward for the company, like coming out of digging out of this hole and then moving forward. I don't know. But the same, I said the same thing about American pinball with the whole issue they had with J pop. 
I thought they couldn't dig themselves out of that hole. And they did. Yeah, but they got, I mean, we at the time, did we assume that it was going to be, well, they just completely cut ties with J-Pop right. and rebuilt the entire... And that's what Imagine they had how to do much to do money it. they lost doing that. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm sure they lost tons of money doing I, that. I, I would love... I'd love this for any company, but I would really love to see American Pinball's books because I bet they're a mess. Oh, they've got to be horrible. They've got to, they, they've got, they've got to be. So I don't much. think they're moving enough units for their size, and so, and I wonder how long they can sustain. I think probably quite a while because they have some relationships with other companies that are very successful. But anyway, that's a. We didn't have that as a topic, but that would be. An, I'm, I'm curious about. It. Yeah, I think, it would be. I think what American Pinball needs very much is a big hit, and I think the only way they'll find that is with a license at this point. Oh yeah, there's no way they're going to get the hit they need without going with a license. And yet. so I think they just they really need to do that, and then their other option, to be fair, is if they can put together the solid contract manufacturing and find enough companies that are willing to use them, they can do it the on the the, the, the harder, lower route because they're just turning out other people's games. Mm. They can move themselves back yeah. into the pot. I think having that option, it's I think that's a smart area to go into, but I think it's it'll probably need to be more on the spooky model where spooky did like some corporate jobs and stuff mm -hmm. when they've always presented it i think american football went in thinking that there would be home brewers that would be interested in having them you know having things like nightmare before christmas or wrath of olympus uh games homebrew games that have had pretty high marks but i don't think that the sales numbers on most of those homebrews are actually going to be Huge. Right. So you'll have to do a lot of little jobs like that, or you need to move more into, well, we'll do like dominoes and we'll know we'll have at least a hundred sort of right. things like that. And with a lot of the homebrews, because so many homebrews are what would be licensed themes. It's one thing for you to put one together yourself in your garage. And that's, that's why, that's exactly why I think that would It'd be, a be completely other thing that you to do that and then make a whole bunch more and sell them. Mm -hmm. And in the case of Wrath of Olympus, which was a, a generic uh, Greek gods theme, I believe they, I believe, it's been a long time since I've read about it, that they reached out to see about the levels of interest in selling them, and it wasn't a high enough volume to be worth the effort. Right. So they backed, wisely backed away from it. I've never played it. I've heard good things. I'd like to try it. I'd like to try everything. I'd well, like yeah. to try Nightmare Before Christmas, because I hear it's pretty good. Um. Last item that we'll just kind of clump here under pinball news is we played Stern Jurassic Park yesterday. We did. We went to the 403 Club I didn't early. play as many games on it as I would have liked. No, but I, I actually got it in tournament as well. So I got, I, I got some more, so. I got some more in and we had, uh, Steve Hill, who's currently the number one ranked player in Kansas had showed up when we showed up. And so he walked us through a lot of the scoring strategies. What did you think of? With what, bearing in mind that you and I both have limited play, it's not like I got 10 games in on it. Uh, what did you think, though, of your your time with it? It was more enjoyable than I thought it would be. And I thought it looked like it'd be fun in the videos. Mm -hmm. But actually shooting it was a lot of fun. <clears throat> I'm not willing to say yet which one I like better, Jurassic Park or Wonk. I ain't played it. I, I just have not played enough games on either of them to make decisions like that. 
I played a little bit more Wonka today or yesterday. I played one more game on Wonka. So I still, I, I can't make a decision on it. I like the way it shoots. I haven't played enough to decide if it's better than dialed in. But, uh, Jurassic Park, I like the way it shoots. And there are some hard shots on that game. Yes. And there is some evil, evil things in that <laughs> game. But it is a lot of fun. And it is definitely, at least how that one was set up, it is a game that punishes you for not having control really badly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, the game is more brutal than Iron Maiden is, which I liked. Yes. I I like that it's more brutal. My problem with Iron Maiden is I thought gaining ball control seemed relatively easy. And Jurassic Park plays harder than Willy Wonka does. Yes. They both shoot very well. I think Steve summarized it best when he noted, it is a bit difficult initially to dial in on a number of the shots on Jurassic Park, but they do feel really good once you get them locked in. And it's not a tight but findable game. It's just, yeah, the things are a little, they're different than maybe what you're used to with a Borg layout, for example, with yeah. my analogies. Like, yeah, with, well, Steve Ritchie would be a good example. Steve Ritchie likes to put a lot of his shots on basically the same spots on the flipper. He's acknowledged this before, that he thinks people really enjoy that. Elwin's placements are just are different than that. And it doesn't feel like the same placements that were on Iron Maiden, because they're clearly not. So given that, here's what I'm willing to say. I think Jurassic Park, with the rules, and bearing in mind, I still don't really understand... Like my scoring star. I should have asked for a walkthrough on Wonka, but it was broken before the right. time started. Uh, because I just, I'm not quite sure what exactly my approach ideally should be. I know there's the flow chart and stuff. I liked the idea of rescuing people and capturing the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park and the structure of that and how the Jeep controls how you're moving through the island and what you need to do for the multi balls and the super challenging smart missile shot and the, Hey, look, let's just, oh, maybe we should just grind raptors. Oh, no, that's death. Yeah. Ha, 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 full Um, I, in a way, I almost pity Jurassic, or Jersey Jack, because I think when people, I think Jurassic Park is a better game. I would be willing to own it. Me too. Let me put it that way. I would be willing I, to I own will it. admit. I, I, I enjoyed Wonka, but I, w- I have no interest in owning it. Just I like I, Jurassic I enjoyed Black Knight Sword of Rage, but I don't have any interest in owning it. See, I would vote, I would I, own that one. I, I, I'd be willing to own it. Um, but Jurassic Park, I kind of like want to own it. Yeah. I, see, if that makes sense. It's like, no, it's no, been, yeah. I, I'm trying to think of what was the last new release where I thought I really would like to, like, I could see this in the lineup. And if I saw, a, it'd probably be Guardians would probably be what I would next go, or, or Deadpool. No, Deadpool would probably be the most recent one. I could really see. I think Deadpool's a lot of fun. I could see owning Deadpool, but I'm not really pursuing it. Jurassic Park is a maybe pursue. Yeah. Because I need a little more time on it because like, like you, I didn't get enough in on it, but the, the voice call outs weren't as aggravating as I feared they would be. They're not ever present like the, the art, Wonka music. Remember is. when we saw the original picture, I talked about the art and I mm-hmm. thought it looked wonky mm-hmm. and it had issues with it yeah. in person it's fine yeah. i think it was just something with how it looked in the pictures mm-hmm. in person it's fine yeah i thought it, i don't i don't i had fun with it 
I enjoyed so, it. I think both companies have put out some pretty good games. Yeah. No, but, this has been a but, really good year for pinball. But that said, I think that we just played Twippy Game of the Year. I'm skeptical anything else is going to come along that's going to beat Jurassic Park. I spoke with a number you of people want... about it. Oh, let's okay. And I don't know anyone yet who doesn't like it. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I think objectively and realistically, you're right. I think the fanboy brigade means it's a toss-up. Not as close as I think you're thinking. Let's remember that Iron Maiden won Game of the Year last year. As it should have. There was no good Yeah, but that theme sucks. That theme sucks. There are a lot of people that couldn't stand Iron Maiden because of Iron Maiden alone. That was actually the biggest complaint that Elwin faced. Now, see, that's a valid point. I do think that Iron Maiden's a better theme than Pirates was. I I wouldn't go that far. I Because I think Iron Maiden is more niche. I think it, I sense. think you're exactly right. And, I just think it's better. I, no, I <laughs> I get that. I I think that I, and we've talked about that before. I think Pirates of the Caribbean was a mistake of a theme to pick. But at the very least, especially because they struggled so much with assets, a lot of people really in pinball do seem to gravitate towards generic pirate style themes. So with that and the idea of like Oh, it's got a cool rocking ship toy. That was cool. I mean, it's got, it had a feel to it. Iron Maiden is just like, unless you went in with a, and edited your, your sound setup, you're like, there were just people that were, just didn't want to hear it. Right. Sort of thing. Jurassic Park isn't going to have that problem. It's a widely the, popular the music theme. starts. It's amazing. Yes. And it's relevant still because the branding ties in with Jurassic World and Jurassic World does gangbusters so it's not a has-been license like Pirates was Mm -hmm. but um, and that's the thing with I think Willy Wonka is a very good theme choice for where JJP's been going I think it's been a better theme than most of their other ones you know in fairness, they chose Hobbit before the Hobbit movies came out. And otherwise, right. I would have defaulted to that being the best theme. But right. unfortunately, the movies were bloated and, and somewhat boring. But given all of that, it's not relevant anymore either. Kind of the Wizard of Oz problem, except it's not nearly as much of a timeless classic. Uh, so not even close. They, again, they're twippies for all these various categories. I think Wonka will win some of those categories if I were to guess. That being said... I don't think it's going to be. I'm going. I'm obviously we're going way out on limbs here because we've still got a, a quarter of the year left and an Elvira coming and an Elvira. But I don't think that Elvira is going to be nearly as widely played to be in much contention. I have heard additional reports that were are aligning with my speculation that there there will be no pros. That doesn't surprise me. I don't. I think it's going. I've been thinking for a long time it was going to be a Kapow title. Yeah, and if they do that, and it's like the SLE approach and everything, I don't, I just don't think, especially factoring in the math of how late in the year it'll release, and then when they're going to close the Twippy votes and all of that, I just think it's gonna it's gonna have a disadvantage anyway. Mm-hmm. And Jurassic Park will have been better fleshed out; the code will be even further along. And given all of that, I just, I just don't see it. It's. I think Wonka takes number two. Jurassic Park takes number one. 
And currently, I would speculate that it would probably be followed by Black Knight and Munsters will be beneath that. That yeah. would be the order. Uh, but we don't know yet if, if uh, JJP gets out their game for Toy Story or Guns N' Roses, whichever it may be, uh, at the end of the year, where that'll factor in. So that's definitely where, yeah, that's definitely a uh, or an or where Elvira will factor in because exactly. Elvira has, it'll factor have, in somewhere. They're gonna have the same. They're gonna have the same uh, fanboy thing going on, like JJP titles tend to. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, it's another one in the trilogy. It's just, um, you know, Elvira doesn't, isn't really, Cassandra doesn't really do Elvira anymore. She right. still has her brand, but it's not as relevant. Again, it's another theme that's just not really relevant. It's a nostalgia theme. Yes. It's a nostalgia theme. It's a theme better nostalgia or, yeah. theme than Black Knight, which is only a nostalgia theme to pinball people. Right. Well, at least Elvira has other fans that right. know her for her old show. Uh, and the same thing with, Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka yeah. has other fans yeah. as well. People who just really love that movie. So, right. Which is why licensed themes are smart. But anyway, those are my thoughts. Um, so video games. Video games. They exist. Mm-hmm. People play them. I don't, but I do a little bit. Not a whole lot. You talk about them and that's the important I thing. talk. Just about like them. the gaming on 10 podcast. They don't have time to play video games, but they somehow have time to talk about them for two hours every week. Um, <laughs> uh, so, this is one that we both had noted. We had a listener, I'm going to say his name wrong too, Wayne uh, Sager. I'm going to thank him for linking us the story, because this was the first I actually heard about this, was from his linking. I do have a link in the show notes to an article about this, but Telltale, apparently it's kind of back. Is I don't really... We're back, sort of. It's... They're not back. Their assets were purchased. Yes. That So, I mean... It, it it's they're back like any other company that has completely failed and gone into bankruptcy and had all their assets sold off and had their name come back. I mean, it'd be like Braniff coming back or or Pan Am. Yeah, yeah. I the way so in terms of a a little more specificity, the a company named LCG Entertainment has, as Tony just noted, purchased the assets of Telltale. So. What this means is LCG will be able to sell some of the back catalog. There's some things in the back catalog that the licenses will allow that. Mm -hmm. And there are others where the licenses, I believe, are expired. So, for example, I don't think they could sell, if I'm remembering correctly, they could not sell Tales from the Borderlands in the back catalog. But Wolf Among Us is still valid. was an example I think I heard on another podcast, but I'm not not saying that these are all true. And um, like, uh, they did not get the assets for, um, Walking Dead because the company that took that over has them, has those rights. Right. Right. So in terms of the article that I, I linked the, let's see. Yeah. All right. They have back catalog rights to Wolf Among Us and Batman. Mm-hmm. And they have full rights to do any original Telltale games of which the only one I have ever heard of is Puzzle Agent. Which I have no knowledge of. As you noted, Walking Dead won't be coming back because Skybound got that one. Correct. So that's gone. Um, and at the time, so I said Tales of the Borderlands. I need to qualify at least at the time of the article. I heard a podcast after this fact from IGN, uh, was that was not clear yet what the status was for the Borderlands game, the Game of Thrones game, Guardians of the Galaxy game, or the Minecraft game. And they did confirm that 
Stranger Things rights did revert back to Netflix. So they don't have that. Right. But what I think was interesting is it's not just to sell back catalog stuff, obviously. They did indicate that there is a plan to bring back that stuff. No one's really filled, to my knowledge, really filled the Telltale style void. Kind of like I mean, there's always been game. there's always been these sort of yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's almost a walking simulator in yeah. a way. Um, this that, where it's all really emphasizing the narrative storytelling, but that this company wants to start doing that. What's not clear to me is, are they building a new engine? Because okay. they would have the rights to the old engine, but the old engine is so. crap. I would hope they so, built a new engine. I think that's a big question with this. Uh, and then the other thing that was noted is that when they were asked about the past Telltale employees, they said that they would be offered freelance roles. And there might be an option for full-time work in the future. It should be noted, though, that... LCG is not based in the San Francisco Bay Area, which right. is where Telltale was. I believe they are about 800 miles south in Southern California. Yeah, they're in Santa Monica. I think it was Santa Monica is what it said in the thing. They're like, I know they're a good way south. Uh, but yeah, no. And now I did, I have seen a surprisingly amount of very unhappy feedback. Hmm. on that because the general consensus that I've seen is well if they can't hire the old employees back full time then they shouldn't use the name which I think is the biggest BS dumb thing ever they have no requirement to do anything for the old employees because they're not the old owners no no and would it do would it be a PR plus for them sure sure but they're under no requirements to do any of that. I don't, I don't think that, I mean, depending on the level of investment they're willing to do, there's a big question about how fiscally feasible that would be. Given that you're going to have to relocate them if you're expecting them to come into the office. Right. And that's a huge expense on top of hiring them. Not to mention Telltale was by all accounts that I can tell, a fairly bloated company. It had a lot of staff. Right. It It did from everything I read. And yes, it was. And due to poor management decisions, something that I, as you know, my work, I'm realizing they unfortunately did not notice or act on their financial woes quick enough, which is why there were essentially no, like no severance. Like I don't even think they got their vacation payouts. They didn't get nothing. So they were just dumped. So, so I can understand why some people are going to have a very visceral reaction to that. But as you know, it's just not, it's just not realistic. It's not the same company anymore. Someone bought the assets. So given that, and it's not like this was a pinball brothers highway thing where this company was somehow involved before and moved a whole bunch of stuff. There's nothing to blame them for. They weren't involved with this. So I think in all honesty, Buying the assets is fine. I think they probably shouldn't use the name. Yeah. Um, I think it would be better know. for them if they I did. don't know. Um, there is, with the consumer, a certain cachet that you would have. There are more people that know about the Telltale games than know about exactly what happened to Telltale. True. So there's that. Um, I don't know. I don't think this probably costs them all that much because it sounds like most of these licenses are... La- I mean... Their back catalog will give them a little bit, but how much are they going to make selling Wolf right. Among Us? 
Not a lot. And it's been out for years. I think their big thing now, from the way it read, is it definitely feels like they are going to do a start small, build up type mm-hmm. situation, as they should. So we'll have to be see what comes from it. I'm interested to see if anything actually comes from it because stuff like this happens all the time, and nothing ever actually hits the ground. Yeah. So we'll just have to see. Well, I know there's been a lot of Nintendo news, Tony. There has been. Uh, they had a direct the other day, as Nintendo will, instead of doing their big stuff. So, they uh, thought we'd just go over their announcements real quick. Nothing, well, there's some pretty big ones. Uh, I think the biggest one that came out was uh, an announcement that was leaked on Amazon and a few other retailers a few weeks ago. Overwatch is coming to Switch. Mm. And it was leaked because they showed uh, Overwatch branded Switch stuff, including right. an Overwatch edition Switch. Yeah, I, I saw some of that early. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter, is very excited. Yes, because she loves to play tank. She's, yes. She is a Reinhardt main, and she's getting very good at it. Um, So, she's going to be getting it. I know she will. She's already told us this is what she wants for her birthday. So, the interesting thing is they are adding some gyro controls to it. Okay. Uh, I thought it seemed silly, but after talking to some people who play and enjoy Splatoon, apparently it works pretty well because it's used more for um, like fine-tuning. Like you use controller to get it close, and then you can just shift it mm. to fine-tune your shots. All right. So okay, whatever. We'll see what we'll see what comes of it. Uh, and I think the big thing's going to be Nintendo's voice comm setup is dumb. It's not just bad; it's dumb because to use voice comms on the Switch for any game, you literally log into a server on your phone and you play it with your phone sitting and like your phone mm-hmm. headset. Uh. I guess we'll see how it is. It may just be an environment where a lot of people aren't using voice chat and you're just using the in-game commands. It's going to, I'm, I'm healing. assuming that's what it's going I to be. healing. <laughs> I'm assuming that's what it's going to be. Payload. Payload. The, uh, also they have transitioned from putting out NES games for Switch Online members. They're now putting out Super NES games. So the games people wanted. So the games people wanted. Uh, because all the NES games people wanted are now out. Yep. <laughs> uh, now, the interesting thing is they were releasing NES games monthly. And that is no longer going to be the case. That's not going to be the case with NES games. Their SNES games are going to just come out when they come out. Mm. There's not going to be like a set schedule. All right. But they did drop uh, 20. Oh, that's a good chunk. Uh, when it dropped... And I've downloaded it, and I've played a couple, and then my wife took it and is just playing it, because that's what she does. So, uh, the 20 titles they dropped real quick are Brawl Brothers, never played it, Breath of Fire, I don't recall it at all, uh, Demon's Crest, I do remember playing back in the day, I think, when, I don't remember the name, but the, the images I've seen look familiar. Uh, F-Zero. That was a good racing game back in the day. I don't know how it holds up. Uh, Joe and Mac 2 Lost in the Tropics. 
No idea. I remember hearing about it. Never played it. Uh, Kirby's Dream Course and Kirby's Dream Land 3. I don't like Kirby games, so hate me. Uh, Pilot Wings. I remember Pilot Wings, which was basically a tech demo for the SNES, mm. is what it was. Oh, okay. For the, like, the Mode 7 stuff and this and that. But it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, Star Fox, of course, a great game. Uh, Stunt Race FX, I never played. Super EDF, Earth Defense Force, which is not the Earth Defense Force everyone thinks about because there are no giant ants. This is a shmup. Um, Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Now, I did play Super Ghouls and Ghosts a fairly large amount, and it's a good game. I enjoy it. Uh, Super Mario Kart. It's a Mario Kart game. I think people who are used to the newer Mario Karts are not going to enjoy it as much. <laughs> Uh, Super Mario World. That's what my wife's playing now. And for good reason, because it's probably my favorite. Yeah. I will, I think I'd say Super Mario World's my favorite Mario game of all time. Okay. I would say it's a toss up between it and Mario 3, but I think I like Super Mario World better. Hmm. Uh, Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island. Super Metroid, which is pretty much the greatest Metroid game of all time. Yeah, I'd say most people would say that. Um, Super Puyo Puyo 2. Never played it. But I've played other Puyo Puyo games. Puyo Puyo games are fun. So, Super Soccer, Super Tennis, and A Link to the Past. Mm -hmm. A mix of games. I'm sure there's going to be some fair popularity, but quite frankly, Super Mario World, Super Metroid, and A Link to the Past. I think those games right there are the games most people want. I'd say that's a that's a pretty safe bet. Probably coupled with Star Fox. Um, yeah, but I mean, like a number of those are also on the SNES classics and every that you know that they're really. Popular. I'm surprised right. that the number of these that uh, aren't as well known to me. I was surprised. Too. I actually haven't played most of this stuff, which doesn't surprise me because I never owned that many SNES games. But uh, see, now my my question is: Is one of my favorite SNES games going to make it? UN Squadron. Mm. which in Japan was Area 88? And the answer is probably going to be no. Well, I'd say we will know on the whatever, but there's no set schedule anymore, so we won't. Right. You'll just have to be surprised or not forever. Surprised or not. Uh, they announced more uh, characters for Smash Ultimate. Terry Borgard, Bogard from Fatal Fury. So at this point, I think it, it, you, I wouldn't be surprised at any character announcement for Smash Ultimate. Mm -hmm. Does that make you like the game yet? No. Oh. Aw. If it all it took was a character to make me like Smash, they would have had that a while ago because they've always they've always had several good characters. I just don't like the game style. Not competitively. I think the game's super fun as just a four player insanity game, but like competitive Smash, I don't enjoy watching it. Not like I enjoy watching other competitive fighting games. That's fair enough. Uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions FE Encore. Sharp FE. Sharp FE Encore. What is that? Why does it say Sharp FE? What? Alright. I, right. I don't know. I copied that's the not a, That's not a note, thing. is it? I Like, there's F Sharp and there's... Right. Or is it Pound FE? Is it hashtag FE? Well, I, I, mm, I don't well, know. Well, I, I made an assumption because of the word encore, but. Right. It, apparently, sharp makes sense because it's got 
songs and music related stuff. But uh, it's going to include new story elements, a new song, and new characters. And it's coming out on January 17th. Uh, I, there's a sequel to Deadly Premonition coming. Oh, that was a weird game. I never played it. I did. I won it. Um, it's very... The comparison that's often made with it is it's almost like they poached the idea of Twin Peaks, the TV show, mm-hmm. and turned it into a video game. So you play a protagonist who's obsessed with coffee and he's, he's going around and there's all sorts of weird stuff in this little town that he's visiting. And, uh, it had a lot of really cool features in terms of like the pathing and stuff that all of the NPCs had and where they'd be at at different times. There was a lot more than I ever experienced with the game. The controls were super bad. Were they? Yeah. Uh, uh, they're, they're putting the original game out. As Deadly Premonition's Origins. Well, after the sequel to Deadly Premonition, we're getting an Assassin's Creed Rebel collection. It's going to have ports of... You rebel scum. Creed Four Black Flag and Assassin's Creed Rogue. I've not played any of those. So, um, we'll see. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition is coming in 2020. A lot of people love Xenoblade. I've never played one. I haven't either. Uh, Divinity Original Sin 2 mm. is coming to Switch. Actually, I think it's out now or very soon. It was a pretty early release. Uh, but it is, I don't know. I get, that's one of those games I did not expect to hit Switch. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things about it, but like a lot of games anymore, I have not played it, but it's reviewed really well. And everybody says that it's a solid game. So we will see how that works on the Switch now. Turn-based strategy should work. Seems like it'd be something up my alley. I should probably try it. Uh, if you recall at E3, we saw like, they showed a trailer for a game called Town. It was a little builder thing. I we didn't rem- talk about it. I don't remember it. We didn't really talk about it, but they've changed the name. It's now called Little Town Hero. Okay. So we'll see what happens. Um, Doom 64 is coming mm. to the Nintendo Switch because... Why? Apparently there are fans of Doom 64 who okay. need that game on a modern system. A lot of these announcements I don't understand. I mean, that one I don't understand at all. Uh, the next announcement, it's a fun game, but I don't understand it on Switch. But hey, I'm sure there's somebody who wants it. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast. I'd heard of it, but I never played it. I played it. I played the first Jedi, uh, Knight more. But they're good games for what they were when they were, but they weren't like super my style of game. Uh, but it's fine. I just, I guess it's just, at this point, Switch is getting all of the ports. That's what it amounts to. They're getting all of the ports. Uh, there's a Super Kirby Clash, a four-player free-to-play Kirby game. For but you hate Kirby. People who love Kirby. Yeah. You hate him. I despise Kirby. Yep. He's terrible. He's a horrible, ugly, little creature. It's horrid. Absolutely horrid. Uh, there's going to be some multiplayer arena battles to Luigi's Mansion 3. 
Which, since the first time we talked about Luigi's Mansion 3 and back when we watched Games Done Quick, and I'd mentioned the, uh, the, the speedrunner had done Luigi's Mansion. I never played a Luigi's Mansion game. I've been told several times I should play Luigi's Mansion, and I have now not played Luigi's Mansion, so. I've never been a fan of anything that glorifies, uh, Luigi. Yeah. He doesn't need his own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He he's needs, trash. He needs to understand that he's, he's trashed trash. here. Yeah. He's trashed here. <laughs> he's not, he's, he's not even F tier. He's trashed here. Yep. It's below F tier. Mm-hmm. So, um, some updates on Pokemon Sword and Shield, which is coming in November. Um, it's got a better character customization, uh, system than previous Pokemons, which is, doesn't take much mm. to have a better character okay. customization. Uh, but, and the thing people are excited about, and I don't understand it, even my daughter's excited about it, I don't understand it, you've got the ability to make custom curry dishes, and save them to your curry decks, and eat curry with your... I don't know. I don't understand why the mainline Pokemon games put in these stupid, stupid gimmicky things... And never keep it. Every mainline, every mainline Pokemon game has a different gimmick. I and guess so. There's I, something else besides I, collecting all the Pokemons. I don't know. I, I'm I am obviously the wrong demographic. the The ability to 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 pet and feed and primp my Pokemons, I never cared about. the The only interesting gimmick ever was Heart Gold and Soul Silver when, er, in the original Gold and Silver, when you know the Pokemon followed you around on the world map was interesting just because it was fun to see who was in the lead of your party the whole time. But I don't know. Hmm. But you know what? I'm not the target demographic. My daughter is very, very excited for it. So, okay. Um, More details on crafting for Animal Crossing New Horizons. Wife and kid are happy about it. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, Trials of Mana will be available April 24th of 2020. Okay. So, that's not bad. Uh, Return of the Obra Den is coming to Switch. I have no idea what that is. Yeah, I don't either. All the videos I saw, it looks weird. Weird art and stuff, but I've got no idea. Uh, Rogue Company. This is the one kind of humor. Rogue Company is a team shooter from Hi-Rez Studios. Hmm. Coming to Switch. Um, Hi-Rez Studios, for those people who don't know, are the people who put out Smite. And Paladins, yep, where they got hit with the whole being a massive Overwatch ripoff because they went into beta four months after Overwatch went yeah. live. So I wonder how they feel to have their new team shooter be announced at the same time that Overwatch gets announced for the Switch. Maybe they're hoping that Overwatch is old news and that their new game will will be able to stand up against... I. I don't. If I were them, I'd feel bad just only because it's sort of like World of Warcraft versus other MMOs. Overwatch is the is the team shooter. It's just, it is. It is. It's got the esport behind it. Everyone and they keep supporting it. So there's all these updates all the time, and the mechanics of it are pretty good. So it's just one of those. Un, in a way, it's very unfortunate because they basically Blizzard built themselves a monopoly, and mm-hmm. no one else has been able to successfully punch through that. And I'm skeptical this will do it, given that they've been unsuccessful in the past. Right. But and I've, I've 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 talked to people personally 
And I've read stuff online for people who say that Paladins is a great game. Yeah, I've heard positive things about it. But it's still, I mean, you can't beat Overwatch. Yeah. You, you, they don't have the backing. This, there's, they don't have the support. Their one, their one hope, I, in my mind, is if they're from the ground up, mechanics for Switch are better than whatever Blizzard did to make Switch controls work with. Right. But I'm skeptical that Overwatch will have bad Switch controls. If they're going and even working with the gyro elements and stuff, they're clearly thinking about it from a... And people have to remember that while Blizzard historically has been a PC company, they've already have controller-based versions of Overwatch because they have it on the PS4 yep. and on the Xbox. So given that, it's like, yeah, they kind of already know what they're doing on that. So I wouldn't trust to hope on that. Right. And you have such a... Again, my daughter has... Overwatch on the PC, and she still wants Overwatch on the Switch. Mm, double because, dip, double so dipping. she can play it. Double dip with her Switch. Double dip. To be fair, that's probably just because she doesn't have a computer capable playing Overwatch. Sure she plays be. it online. I don't know. I do have it on. I do have it on PC and Xbox also. So yeah. But in my defense, it was gift. The PC one was like part of a humble bundle someone gave me, so it wasn't my fault. Well, yeah, but- I didn't do- do- deliberately double dip. I'm a single dipper. On other games. I'm a single dipper. I hate double dipping. feels so wasteful. uh, Tetris 99 is getting a new mode in DLC. Which is, Tetris 99 is that. Yes, the Battle Royale. Battle Royale Tetris I've heard it's fun. If you like Tetris. Um, Obviously. And that was all of the big stuff there. Now, one thing I did want to talk about, not about Nintendo. And I've only got, actually there's two things. I've only got one of them in here. WoW Classic has fully, fully enveloped the original feel of wow really yeah i mean it's got horrible login times and you can't find mobs to kill because there's four wolves and you've got 500 people trying to kill them so you can turn in a pelt it sounds exactly like what i remember wow to be back when i first started playing wow i've heard it's also been subject to ddos attacks yes that i just read that this morning (laughs) so it's it is, they, they did it. They brought back all the original feelings from the good old days of WoW. Congratulations, Blizzard. Good job. I guess it truly is vanilla. I've not played it. I'm not planning on playing it, but it's fun here. And interestingly enough, it has been taking top slots on Twitch's viewership. Oh. People watching streamers playing vanilla or WoW classic, vanilla WoW. So, that's surprising to me, honestly. I, mean, I, I, I I'm a bit surprised that it's so popular from a spectator perspective. A little bit. I mean, there's some stuff like watching high end raids and stuff could be really interesting. To right, do. but they're not doing that. They're no. watching people grind Goldshire. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that ever really. I felt that most of the expansion stuff that I was involved with with World of Warcraft were positives overall. The only thing, the thing that really alienated me from it was uh, as of the second expansion, when they dropped the raid size down again mm-hmm. to where they're basically trying to keep everything as 10 mans or less. And then I, I kind of felt that that killed the need for a high-end raiding guild. And, it did. And Especially I, I left they... before it came out because I was like, I don't see the, pr- that it went, too casual even for me. Like, I liked the change from the 40 mans to the 25. 
Because I thought getting, that was good. Because getting 39 other people that were actually competent was nearly impossible. At least on the Horde side, it was. Well, no, there was the part of the thing going with that that we noticed when we were raiding and starting to do 25 mans is how much of the 40 man was just dead weight. Yeah. Because when you got down to 25 mans, it, you realized the people who weren't pulling their weight and weren't yeah. cutting it. It got easier. And it got easier to build a balanced team. It did. I remember the big issue for the guild uh, we were in uh, at the time was with the expansion. We really, initially, for those like first four or five raiding months, it was that awkwardness where you had a guild designed to run 40 and you could only run 20. So do you expand the guild and try and run 50, do 225 man simultaneously and balance the teams out? And if I remember, we tried that and it was a disaster. There was always one horribly weak group that like couldn't get past the second boss. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other group that got, you know, made progress every week. And <laughs> I just remember, um, cause at this point, I think I was in guild leadership at the time and it was like, uh, and Tony and I were in the same guild. Yeah. The, um, Oh, it was, there was drama. It was always something like we were, you were either fighting over who had the, the good tanks that knew what to do. Or who had the good healers who knew what to mm-hmm. do. And that was usually the issue was you were always short of one of them and you couldn't send, you couldn't split it because you were locked into your instance. So anyway, it was ultimately we ended up through attrition shrinking the guild down to basically just run the 125 man. But that was a really painful transition because you got a lot of people that, whose feelings got hurt. Right. All of that. Well, there was, well, you know, I, I had issues with the guild anyway, because I had limited rating time. So yeah, there was always that balance. And that was true before even the expansion where you had in, and this was a challenge amongst the leadership team where you had the leaders who really wanted to go full try hard and wanted to try and be trailblazers, kick out people that weren't pulling their weight as they defined it. And then there were people like me who were a lot more, no, this is a casual high-end rating guild. We want to do the hard stuff, but we're not trying to set records. Right. And well, that's the thing is it was listed and, as a casual. Yes. And so, and that was always a struggle. And there was even attempted, I had, someone gave me access to another groups. Uh, they had, we had at some point apparently absorbed before I had joined, had absorbed another high casual or high-end rating guild mm-hmm. or something. And that group had its own forums and own discussions. And I got access to that through someone else's account. They gave me their account. <laughs> and so I actually saw when they were plotting to leave the server and abandon the guild. And so I worked on the other end of things and undermined it uh, because I realized what their complaint, like I read all their complaints with me, for example, mm-hmm. like some people didn't like how I had done certain, made certain decisions on and, like enforcing certain rules. And so I would reach out privately and be like, you know, I, I got the impression you didn't really like my decision. How, let's talk about how we can change it so that you like the rule. And then I'm still following the rule, which is all I did. But, right. But it's a rule that we can all get behind. And then I could see on the forums like, oh, that Dennis, he's so not, he, he reached <laughs> out to me and he was, he's totally reasonable. And all that's like, yes, good. Good. And uh, I kept them in, at least as long as I was still playing. Uh, we kept them in, we kept them into the fold. But yeah, I remember the issue with you, with them on the rating time thing was some of them, they, look, just because they were interested in high end stuff didn't mean they were the smartest people yeah. in the, in the, they weren't the sharpest knives in the drawer, <laughs> so to speak. And so there were, I remember the big issue I had at one point is 
they had brought in another. You played a shaman. I, Sorry I, for everyone. I was we're, an enhancement we're, we're, shaman. We're in, we're in Warcraft talk now. And you were an enhancement shaman. And, and the guild not, did not usually have enhancement shamans. Right. And, but the guild was the same way when they, they brought me in because they needed priests. And I said, I join if they, they had to bring you in as well. And they did. And then they found out I was a shadow priest and they were really upset. Because <laughs> I didn't say what type of priest I was like, oh no, well we went a healer. And I'm like, I'm better. I'm a shadow priest. And you don't have one. <laughs> and it took some time, but with like those tools that would show you the impact of stuff going on in the, I was actually able to with analytics once we had the stuff that would record how people were doing right. damage and everything happening. I had the numbers to say, this stuff helps you way more than you realize they didn't have the mental capacity to inherently understand how totem buffs were so helpful or it's like with shadow priesting it's like look i'm putting on things that are upping your damage i'm doing th- put me in a group that's taking off damage and i can heal the whole group without casting healing spells and then when i could show it and they could see like Holy crap, you did a whole ton of healing. I'm like, yeah, I'm just not a good direct healer. Right. If you build this group around my suggestions, it will actually help. You put me with the DPS that are up close. And I explained all the stuff. And once they saw some numbers, they would get it. But so you were in as an enhancement shaman. And then they brought in another enhancement shaman joined the guild. I right. Remember. And he was and friends with some of the other He was pe- friends yeah. with some of those, uh, that they have friends in that other guild that right. I was able to, uh, monitor, we'll politely say. And, I recall them like, like, well, we need to put him in. I, we want to run him over Tony. And, like, and the thing was that the argument that they were always making was this guy's got, he's got full purples. Right. That's, that's how he said it back in the day. So you had, they, he was in full epic gear. Right. And I was not. And you were not. You had some greens. You had purples and green and blues and maybe one green. Right. So I, I, I specifically, it was one green. One green. But they hated that you had a green. Yeah. And I remember at one point, I, I was pushing back on it because it was, these were on the raids that you could make. And I was like, so I, I looked him up, I looked at his stats because you pointed it out. You're like, yeah. look at his, look at his gear and I'm looking at, I look at it and then you go to any major, uh, number crunching meta analysis yeah. site and it's like, the guy isn't wearing the right gear. He's just wearing a bunch of purple stuff. And yeah, so I, my gear was fear. I, because you, I can only you, place a, I went to the gear I could get and I theory crafted my gear. My, my one green, there were only two purples better than it, and they were both from raids that our guild was not able to do. Yeah. Yep. No, it was true. And so I, I'd bring that up with guild leadership, and they're like, well, but, and I was just like, so we actually had a raid with you both in it, and we had the whole, uh, stat trackers, and the way it would work is you can, when, if you're close enough to people, uh, the chat log has a side that you can turn on if you want to mm-hmm. that's showing all the damage and healing, all the analytic, all the metrics at the time. And this would, uh, capture all that. And the more people you have using the tracking software, I'd, right. mer- I'd merge it every raid. And that right. was one of my jobs. And so I'd get like four or five people using the tracking and software. I to make sure, it to make sure to we sure, had, yeah. we had good overlap to capture everything. And I, I only needed a few because as long as you're close enough to other people, you'd capture all the stuff nearby. So we do that and we did the raid. And I just posted the numbers and I, I think I was, I was really, this was on the, on the leadership side, uh, was, uh, you know, because we had some private forum stuff too. And I posted it and I showed the analytics and I showed just how much more all of your totems and everything had contributed. And I think I said, I don't want to ever hear about this other guy ever again getting a spot 
over Tony's spot because he is not pulling his weight. This guy is not pulling his weight. He shouldn't even be an enhancement shaman with that gear. He should he should re-roll. <laughs> so I don't want to hear it. Here's the math. Tony knows what he's doing. Is there is there a counter argument? Because I have science. And I don't science? know. And it wasn't even close. Yeah, I theory crafted my character it so wasn't hard because close. of my limited playtime. I knew I had to do everything as uh, just as hardcore as possible. So I theory crafted the crap out of my character. And and I ran all my stuff with. I mean, I had massive amounts of macros to maintain my 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 uh, cycles of everything. And in their defense, I don't think they ever argued it. No, again, no, so. I never had a problem getting into a raid after that. It was just the fact that I was working hour terrible hours and had just had the first child and and everything else and time just vanished. Yeah, and that's I how quit. it was. Yeah. I just couldn't play it. Well, I remember when we finally brought in another Shadow Priest and he actually had better gear and better mechanics than me. Oh, I was annoyed. It's like, <laughs> oh, he's actually just flat out better. Maybe I should delete those stats. And the last thing is just a quick thing I want to toss out there uh, for fans of games like this. Homeworld. Classic space combat game. Yep. Uh, Homeworld 2 was just as good. There has now been an announcement that Homeworld 3 is being built by Gearbox Publishing. Oh, interesting. Here's my problem with it. Mm. They are doing uh, not a Kickstarter. They're doing a fig. Okay. Uh, which is basically like Kickstarter. It's, it's crowdfunding, but it's through the, uh, Fig instead. Because Fig is a, uh, investment. It's, yeah. It's the yeah. It's one where you investment. actually get equity. Yeah. Right. So the model I've preferred. Right. So, but it's coming. They're talking about looks like 2022. Is what they're calling for a release oh, Okay. Way out there. Way out there. Uh, as much as I love Homeworld, this thing's already completely funded and I'll just buy it when it comes out. Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to kickstart this one or, or fig this one or whatever. Of course, to be fair, it was completely funded initially because their funding goal was $1. Oh, okay. That's weird. So, yeah. So we'll see. But I'm always glad to see more. I still play Homeworld, the original mm. Homeworld and oh, Homeworld really? 2. I still play them. Okay. Uh, I've got them on, uh, they did a big fancy edition that got put out on Steam with a whole bunch of like, uh, uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Uh, the graphics upgrades and stuff. So mm. it'll run on more modern. Oh, it's remastered. Yeah, they remastered it, and yeah, I still play them both. Uh, sometimes I've I've played through the replayed back through the stories recently, and I've replayed. I do skirmishes from time to time just for fun. So, hmm. Interesting, good games. I think that's everything I've got. All right. Well, then that's the show. We'll be back in just under two weeks. Just under two. Weeks. We're not exactly sure which day yet, but it'll just you'll just be surprised. Surprise Until then, me. if you want to ask us anything, you can always email eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com or you can contact us through our Facebook page, which is at facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast. We're available on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter as eclectic underscore gamer. There have been a number of people that have now been subscribing on Twitch 
you probably got lots of bits too. Someone came in and dropped ton, a ton of bits. Really? I've yeah, not I think Special checked. Winlet came in and dropped a ton of bits one day. I've not actually checked the the thing. Like you may not want to look. I've redesigned the emotes, incidentally. Did you? I did. So if we have, if we got a few more subscribers, I'd be able to add another tier one emote because currently, as a, a mere affiliate, uh, and you'd still be an affiliate with that, right. but, but you get one for tier one subscription, another for tier two, and another with, for tier three. And no one ever subscribes at tier two or tier three, so there's no point really. But right. uh, I used to do our EGP modern blue logo as the tier one. I've gone ahead and just moved that as the tier three. Mm-hmm. The tier one spray now is the part of the translate of Popeye saves the earth. Except it says fail <laughs> at the bottom of it. <laughs> so nice. If you start seeing that spammed in various places, you can you can rest assured that's a, the contamination of the This Week in Pinball podcast and people pretending games that are bad are actually good. So I figured it would be more useful because when do you need to throw an EGP image out there? But I don't know. But when right. do you need to throw a fail out there all the time? And who better to personify fail than Popeye? Anyway, I'm Dennis. That's very true. I'm Tony. Goodbye, everybody. And remember, these have just been our opinions. And they're completely wrong if they're Tony's. According to some people.